right, let's take our Bibles out tonight. Exodus chapter number two. Exodus chapter number two. We're going to get, look to a new subject tonight as we get back with our road to readiness. We're going to look at Moses tonight. Hope you've had a good day. Hope our kids are enjoying summer. It'll be here and gone before you know it. So I hope you're enjoying every moment of that. Uh, Brother AJ mentioned a moment ago, do pray for our young people. We have a very, very busy summer. We met uh, Sunday night, talked about that for a little while, and they have a lot of opportunities uh, to have fun, obviously. That's important, but they're growing the Lord this year. And uh, I remember as a 15-year-old kid, I had no idea that would be the summer that I would give my life to the Lord, uh, to be used to the Lord, to surrender, to preach. Uh, I did not have that on my summer schedule. My summer schedule consisted of working with Dad, uh, probably going to camp, doing some other things. I uh, had no idea, but the Lord had plans for me. And you need to pray for our young people. We have no clue what's sitting in this room tonight, all right? At the very least, we hope there are some young people that are going to trust Christ this summer. But then for the ones who are already saved, to begin honing in on the will of God for their life. Uh, there's nothing like finding it while they're young, amen? Uh, for those of you who have, you know the joys of that. For those of you who waited until later, you know why they need to find it while they're young. And so you pray for them. Pray for all the speakers they're going to hear this summer. Uh, youth conference, they're going to hear several at camp. They're going to hear a couple of different ones there. Uh, and then through the fellowship, we hope to bring together our young people in a tight wound group uh, that is a machine that can go out and do the will of God here uh, in Hattiesburg. Exodus chapter 2, if you're there, let's stand together. Uh, as we look down tonight, going to read about Moses just a little bit and uh, introduce him. So far we've looked at Noah, uh, we've looked at Abraham, uh, and then uh, we've looked at Joseph. And tonight we're going to be looking on the road to readiness. This year our desire, our, our goal is to become ready. Number one, saved. Number two, ready for service. We're following the footsteps of people that God has used and how he made them ready for what he's called them to do. So look down to Exodus chapter 2 and for the sake of time, uh, we're going to skip down to verse number 13. Here is Moses. And uh, he, is, uh, he is in Egypt, and he's gone out, and he has seen the Egyptians smiting one of the Hebrews. And this is where he kills him, buries him in the sand. And now in verse number 13, the Bible says that he went out the second day. Behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now this is where really the second part of the life of Moses begins. The Bible says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled their troughs to water their father's flock. You know the rest of the story. Here come some bullies along. Moses scares the bullies away. Uh, and then their father asks, Who is this person to bring him on? The Bible says, if you'll look down to verse number uh, 21, And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Help us tonight, I pray, as we seek to do your will in the preaching. I pray that, Lord, our hearts would be open, our minds would be clear. I know we've had a long day at work. Father, I know a lot of folks just barely got here on time. And, Father, all the things we have going on in life and our summer tend to crowd our minds a little bit. Help us, Lord, set that aside so we might have our batteries recharged just a little bit tonight. We might do your will, Lord, in the invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, we all know who Moses is. I think a Wednesday night crowd, there's probably not a person in here who hasn't read about Moses, and unfortunately, at the very least, you've probably seen the movie, right? Uh, you know that when Hollywood finally acknowledges you or acknowledges something about the Bible, that it's obviously one of the marquee characters in Scripture. 
Tonight, as we start looking at Moses, we'll probably be on Moses three or four weeks. I looked at Noah, we went for about a week on Noah, uh, and then Abraham and Joseph went about four weeks on each of those. But I think we'll probably be a little bit more on Moses as we look at his life and remarkable testimony of what God did in his life. Uh, I believe tonight we know the basics of who he was and what he did. All right, so we're not going to focus in on that as we look at the life of Moses on the road to readiness. What we're going to start looking at tonight is not just who he is, what he did, but how he did what he did. Uh, That's what this series is all about. Our desire is to be ready. We have the Word of God, which is the preserved record of the life of Moses from the eyes of God. All right, so God is telling us exactly who Moses is and how Moses became who he became. Now, I don't know about you, I want to be used of God to the fullest extent and potential that I can be used in my life. How about you? I desire that I fulfill the will of God that he left me on earth to do. That's what I desire to do. Why? One day I want to hear well done. I want him to look at my life and the record of the time of the life that he gave me. And that I use it to fulfill the time that he gave me to his glory, uh, reaching others for Christ and helping others come to have a closer walk with him. So we're looking at Moses tonight and how he became the guy that we know as Moses. Now this is important. Now remember with Noah and with Abraham and Joseph, we followed the stops. We looked at the different places. We looked at Joseph for four weeks. He started in the pit, and then he got on the path, and then he went to the prison, and then he went all the way up to Potiphar's, the second in command there in Egypt. We looked at those different places God took him. Tonight we're going to look at this first place that God would take Moses, and it's a quite unusual place. The Bible says that he kills the Egyptian here in chapter 2. He runs for his life. He meets Zipporah there at the well, and now he's content. If you look down to verse number 21, content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. Now, believe it or not, this place where Moses is at is going to be instrumental in who Moses becomes. All right? Now, all of us desire to be used of God. I have no doubt about that. We want to be used of God. Even the most backslidden Christian in here tonight wants to be used of God in some way. Now, maybe you don't want to be used as much as other people, but you want to be used, right? You want to know that, hey, you used the time that God gave you here on earth to fulfill at least some part of the will of God for your life. But here's what I believe. I believe tonight that all of us desire to be used, but not all of us desire it enough to become useful. Okay? Now, I want you to chew on that just for a minute. We all desire to be used. Everybody wants to be a part of the will of God. Hey, use me in some way to fulfill some part of your will while the time that I have here on earth. So we all desire to be used. The problem is we don't desire to become useful. That means to go from where we are at to where we need to be. To go through the process of becoming a profitable Christian. I'm thankful tonight it doesn't cost anything to be saved, aren't you? Uh, It's a free gift of salvation that we receive. Jesus paid it all. He did all of the work. We received the free gift of salvation. But in order to become a profitable Christian tonight, not just a Christian, I want to be a profitable Christian. I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want him just to say, all right, you made it here. I think a lot of us tonight, if you're not careful, you're going to squander the time that God gave you and you're going to make it there, but, but as by fire. You're not going to be a profitable Christian. In order to go from desiring to be used to being useful, you've got to fulfill this process that God has for us to grow. And the first step on that in Moses' life is this place called Midian. The Bible says that in verse number 21. And we're going to focus in on Midian tonight and look at two or three things about what God was going to have him to learn there. Now, here's something interesting I want you to see as we jump right into this. 
If you notice chapter 2, and we pick up in verse number 15, this is where Moses flees. All the way to chapter 3 in verse 1, can I tell you how much time was covered? From verse 15 in chapter 2 to verse 1 in chapter 3, there are 40 years covered. Now this is important. Why? Not because what we read about is what we don't read about. Now let me give you some context tonight. When you read from the burning bush, which would be the, sec- the third third of Moses' life, all the way to where he died on Mount Nebo, listen to this, there are 135 chapters on that part of his life. There are 4,319 verses on that part of his life. Four books of the Bible were devoted to that part of his life. But for this part, from verse 15 all the way to verse number 1 of chapter 3, there are 12 small verses devoted to that 40-year period of his life. Now, folks, this is important. You look at the life of Moses, it's divided into three 40s, okay? You have the first 40 where he was in Egypt, the second 40 where he was in Midian, the third 40 where he wandered around with the children of Israel. And you look at this second 40 here in Midian, there's very little said about that. That's why, number one tonight, here's what I want you to see. Midian's a tough place because it's a place of stillness. Now stick with me, all right? Midian is a tough place and it's a tough stop on the road to readiness because Midian is a place of stillness. Now, I don't know about you, but being still is something that I have a hard time doing. Uh, I'm usually on the run. Matter of fact, uh, the other day, I bought a brand new mattress. That's how I know that I'm getting uh, over the hill even faster. I went mattress shopping. I went to Miss Skelly, and I tried out every mattress that they had. You know why? Uh, Because I've got to learn how to rest better. I want to sleep better. Uh, I'm on the go. I'm on the run. And when I get home, I want to rest well. Buddy, if you could have seen me on Friday, I'm hopping from each mattress to each mattress to each mattress. Why? Uh, Because I want to learn how to rest a little bit better and get better sleep the, the little time that I am down. I don't know all the time how to be still like I need to be still. And sometimes being still for a Christian is not an easy thing to do either. Uh, I've been noticing in the, in the life of our country, I mentioned this on Sunday morning, the tension span of Americans is dwindling, right? Uh, we looked at it Sunday morning, eight seconds. Your goldfish is nine seconds. Uh, we are a people who cannot be still. Uh, we are a people who are always fidgeting with something. Uh, I see people in grocery stores now with AirPods on while they're grocery shopping. And look, some people can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, now they're trying to push a grocery cart and listen to who knows what. I mean, somebody's going to get run over before too terribly long. And Richard Schwartz is going to have a buggy lawsuit commercial coming across the television. We, we, we're always multitasking. We always have things going on, things on our mind. I, I caught myself today watching a basketball game on television and during the commercials staring at my phone. As soon as the basketball game would come back on, I'd put my phone down and watch the game. I could not be still. And that's something oftentimes we have problems with. We've constantly got to be moving. Our kids have fidget spinners and those little poppet things. Why? Because we've always got to be doing something. Our hands have always got to be moving around. We don't know how to be still. And we think when we're still, it feels wrong, doesn't it? I've got to be doing something. If you're not careful, you'll get to a place in your Christian life where that mindset will permeate that as well. To where you don't know how to be spiritually still. To where if you're not going and you're not doing and you're not busy, look, I love being busy, I just hate being tired, don't you? 
And if you're not busy, you think, hey, something's got to be wrong in my life. But here's what's interesting. For 40 years, we have about 12 verses devoted to that area of his life. I believe Moses was learning a very valuable lesson, spiritual stillness. Here's our problem. We often mistake a place of stillness for a place of staleness, right? If I'm not doing something, I'm wasting my time. What was Moses doing in Midian? I have no idea. I mean, we have about 12 verses devoted to that 40-year period of his life. And yet during that time, I believe God was still working in his life. The place of stillness sometimes can be a place of strength. Isn't that what Isaiah says? They that waited upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. Now that doesn't seem to make sense to us. We're a people who's always fidgeting and always going and always having things to do. If you're not careful, you'll overrun the still places that God wants to lead you in your life because that's where God wants to renew your strength. Now watch if you will. Look down, verse 15. Bible says this is when he fled. It's not until chapter 3, verse 1 that God gets him on the move about the will of God for his life again. Now I don't know what he was doing. I don't know why God had him there, but God had him waiting. God had him waiting. Now folks, if there's something tonight I believe we lack... In a spiritual sense, it's waiting. Learning to wait on God that he may renew our strength. We could mount up with wings as eagles. I think it's what God wants us to do, but we haven't learned how to be still. I think tonight, in order to get to the place of readiness, every once in a while, you've got to learn how to be still. You've got to learn how to go to Midian, that place where you may not be in the midst of all of the action and doing what you once were doing or think you should be doing. You're just learning how to be still. Why? You're learning to wait on the Lord. And I want you to know tonight, this is something that's hard for me to do. I can be a very impatient person. Uh, I try to learn patience. I'm trying to grow in patience. But you've got to understand tonight, you may run right past the will of God if you don't learn how to go to the stillness place. The place of stillness. That's where he's at. Think about this tonight. Psalms 46.10. Stick with me. We know this verse very well. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now notice there's a cause and effect there. We be still. Why? So that we can know. I think there's a lot of things scripturally we don't know about because we won't take the time to be still and learn how to wait on the Lord. Uh, We get in our minds that we've got to have it, and we've got to have it now, and we've got to have it this way, and this is the way that I have it pictured, and this is the way the plan is going to go. Can I tell you, there are times in your life, God's going to lead you to a Midian. He's going to lead you to a still place. You're thinking, boy, if I was going to write a story about the great deliverer of Israel, I don't think I would have included Midian. I don't think I would have either. It kind of seems out of the way, doesn't it? Like, God... You're going to lead him to deliver Egypt? Why didn't you just leave him in Egypt? We kind of use geometry on God, don't we? What is it? The shortest distance between two points is what? Straight line. Man, you guys went to Central, didn't you? Smart. Smart students in here. But God, you took him from Egypt to Midian, back to Egypt? Doesn't seem like it makes sense. Well, news flash, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That's why we've got to trust God even when he leads us to the place of stillness. A Midian, if you will. So what is stillness? Just simply put this way. It's at a place where there's not much to write home about. Have you ever been to a place like that? You ever had a season in your life spiritually where you didn't have a whole lot to write about? God put 40 years into 12 verses. Not a whole lot to write about when he was at Midian. Can I tell you, God was still working in Moses' life while he was in Midian. 
There are times I'll be in my life where I'll reach a dry spell. You ever have a spiritual dry place? The Bible speaks about that. Spiritual dry place. Like, God, I don't know why I'm where I'm at. Don't know what you've got me to do. God, all that I know to do is to wait for you here in Midian. Can I tell you something? Just wait on him in Midian. Why? The longer you be still, the closer you are to getting to know. Be still and know that I am God. Can I tell you tonight, I don't like the Midians in my life. Why? Because I don't like being still. I don't like getting to the place where I don't know and I have no idea why I'm here, God. God, you're going to lead me to, to, to be the deliverer. Why am I here at Midian? If you're not careful tonight, you'll get ahead of God and miss out on the will of God for your life because you run away from a place of stillness. The other day, I had a lady call, I had a lady text my wife, and she doesn't go to church here, so there's nobody that you would know. And she says, hey, y'all have an only child, right? I said, yes, we have an only child. She said, well, I have an only child in our house. We only have one child, and I'm trying to learn how to do time management better. My wife's very good with time management. She says, would you help me with that? And so my wife says, sure. She says, well, I, I feel the constant need to entertain my child. Uh, I think every parent goes through that at some point, right? We feel the need to entertain them, give them something, make them happy, make them smile. And there's nothing wrong with that. She says, but there's things I need to do. I need to wash dishes and I need to wash clothes and it's hard to do what I'm constantly having to entertain them. My wife says, well, I want to tell you what we did and so far so good. I mean, we haven't totally, you know, messed up Miley's life with, with our ideas and uh, what we've kind of tried to put inside her. You know, she, she's all right. She didn't know today was Wednesday, but uh, aside from that, uh, she's all right. My wife says, well, here's what we used to do. My wife played the piano. I was the song leader in our church. And so Miley had to sit on the front row by herself, and she's a two, three-year-old kid. And so she had to sit there and sit still, you know. She kept me running around, all this crazy stuff. So we had to teach her to sit still. And so my wife would literally have sit-still drills in our house. I know you're probably going to report us to the, uh, uh, the parenting agency for cruelty to our child. Uh, but it worked. We had to teach her to sit still. Now, you know the old song, there's wiggle worms in every kid, right? You ever seen a wiggle worm? Yeah, they all got it. Sometimes adults get wiggle worms. And she had them inside of her too. And he said, the only way that we're going to help her to learn how to be still is to start practicing being still. And so my wife would sit her there on the bench in the, in the living room and she'd just sit there. We, we, you know, we didn't have a bull whip or a cattle prod, nothing like that. But we just trained her to be still. But it didn't come natural. Can I tell you, it doesn't come natural spiritually either. We all have the spiritual wiggle worms inside of us at times, and God leads us to a place of stillness, and we're thinking, God, I, I'm just not sure why I'm at Midian, you know, and not sure why you led me here, and this is not what I dreamed for my life, and not what I planned for my life, but you know what, God, I'm going to be still, why? Because I want to know, be still and know that I am God. If you're not careful tonight, you'll, you'll give up on Midian and run away from Midian and miss out on what God wanted you to know while you were there. What do we got to do? Number one tonight, we got to learn to be still at the place of stillness. I want you to turn with me tonight, if you would, to Psalms 13. Uh, I don't do a lot of flipping, but I want to do that tonight, all right? Let's just walk through this Bible study together and look at how to be still and learning to be still. Psalms 13, and I want to read a psalm for you that might become your life's psalm, okay? Psalms 13, 1, listen to what David says. How long... Wilt thou forget me? You may not have uttered those words. I promise you, you've felt that feeling before. You ever been in a place you felt like it was a Midian? God, why am I here? Why am I at this place? 
Why am I at a place of stillness? I don't, I don't understand why I'm here, what I'm supposed to be doing here. Here's David. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? I think we've all felt that before, haven't we? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart? Notice what he asked three times in two verses. How long, how long, how long? You know what he's asking? Lord, I'm, I'm at this place of stillness. God, where are you at? God, what are you doing? You're hiding from me. God, you have for, forgotten me. I'll be honest with you tonight. I wish I have never doubted God in my life, but I have. I've wondered, God, where are you at? I'm trying to do your will, and I'm in this Midian, this desert. I don't know what's going on. God, I don't know what you're doing. I can't seem to find you. As Job says, I look on this hand and this hand. I don't know what he's doing. David was at a place of stillness. Now watch this, if you will, in Psalms 13. When you realize the context of what chapter 13 is about, you realize that Psalms 13 was written while David was running from Saul. All right, now hear me out. Stick with me. The time that David was running from Saul was smack dab in the middle between the time that he was anointed king and the time that he ascended the throne as king. He was in a middle place. He was in a place to where he was in a place of stillness. I'm at a standstill. Lord, I I was anointed king back there in 1 Samuel, and he's yet to ascend the throne, and he's looking for God. Folks, can I tell you tonight, David's learning to be still. Keep reading. You go on down. He talks about how rough it is. Talks about his enemies. But then watch what he says in verse 5. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Watch. The beginning was kind of sad. How long, how long, how long? All of a sudden he's worried about the enemies. But at the end, what does he say? He said, I'm going to sing praise to you. What happened? Can I tell you what happened? He was still and now he knows. He had to be still in order to know what he knows. Folks, can I tell you tonight, God's going to lead you to a Midian on the road to readiness, just like Moses. And you're going to wonder, God, what are you doing? I remember when the Lord uh, led us to resign our church. Uh, We resigned it. Things were going well. You know, usually you run when things are bad. Uh, We ran when things were good. Church was growing. Our church was full. We had a bus ministry started. I mean, it was great. It was great. Had a beautiful home right beside the church. And then God says, okay, you're done. I'm like, all right, where are we moving up to now? Because the Lord, you know, the Lord always moves you up, right? But there was an evangelist tell me that one time. God never moves you down. I still hadn't found that in here, but I'm looking. Maybe I'll find it one day. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm a pastor. What do you want me to do? He says, go be a church member. I'm like, all right, go be a church member. And go back to my dad's church, went back and. Became a song leader. And Brother Edwards, that's when the brethren began talking. I love the brethren. I wonder what he did. Man, all of a sudden, all eyes are on you. Why did he resign? Yeah, things were going great. Go ask. Go ask. The guy that I, I brought on as youth pastor is the longest serving pastor now. He's still pastoring that church today. It's going great. And so I go back down to the end of the dirt road in Carson, Mississippi. Became a song leader again at my mom and dad's church there in the woods. For two years, we were there. Place of stillness. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I, I felt for a little while like I was being punished. I'll be honest with you. What did I do wrong? Why am I at Midian? I mean, I was living, living a good life, 
there, and, and now I'm over at Midian. God wanted to bring me at Midian. It's a place of stillness, not staleness. Look, if God ever leads you to a Midian, a place of stillness, be still. Learn to be still. Learn to be still. Don't get to the place where you get ahead of God and you miss out on what God wanted you to learn while you were there. Here's what's interesting about this place of stillness back in Exodus chapter 2. This would be a lesson that Moses would apply later on. Do you remember when they were leaving Egypt and here comes Pharaoh and his army after them and they come to the Red Sea at Baal Pahiroth. The Red Sea in front of them, the army behind them, and all these people start griping and complaining. And Moses went to God. What did God tell Moses? Do you remember what he told him? Stand still. Stand still. I think that the lesson that Moses learned in Midian on learning to be still, it helped him to do that when he was standing in front of that Red Sea, where he was able to say, hey, you guys need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You see, what is he saying? Be still and know. That's what he's saying. Moses learned to be still so that he could know God's plan, and now he's sharing with someone else, hey, you stand still and you're going to see, but we can't turn tail and run. Why? Because number one, sometimes God leads us to a place of stillness. Several years ago, I mean a lot of years ago, probably 15 years ago because you turned one on that trip. Uh, we were in West Virginia. My dad was supposed to be preaching up there. He couldn't go. And so I went and preached in my dad's place at a missions conference in West Virginia. Uh, while we were up there, Miley turned one, took her first steps while we were up there. And uh, just a memorable trip we were on. And one of the most memorable things I remember from that trip were we stopped at this house. We were out visiting with the pastor. We stopped at the house. And as soon as you got out of the car, there was this stench that pierced your nostrils. I didn't know what it was. It was horrible. It was herby, all right, really, really herb-smelling. And I asked the pastor, I said, if you don't mind me asking, what is that smell? He said, those are called ramps. I'm like, what kind of a ramp is that? You know, is it a ramp for a cattle trailer or something? A ramp to, you know, a septic tank? I said, what kind of a ramp is that? He said, no, it's a, a vegetable that grows out in the woods, and this is ramp season. I said, I've never heard of such a thing. And so I went in the house. He says, by the way, that's what's for lunch. Man, my mouth gets me in trouble all the time. We walked in, and the smell was stronger in the house. It was like garlic and onions. It was just like, that's all it was. And they just pulled this whole long uh, ramp out, put it on the plate, and they're looking at me like delicacy. I'm like, are you kidding? And so I ate it. I didn't want to offend in meat or ramp. And so I ate it, all of it, and my breast sank for days. I said, I have never heard of these things. Where do they come from? He says, well... And they told me the story of ramps and how I ramp, they, they grow them from seeds, they grow wild, and that season you go into the woods and you pick those things. He says, from a seed to eating your first ramp can take up to five years. Five years. I'm thinking, well, number one, even if it tasted good, I don't know that I would have the patience to wait for one of them things. Five years. Five years that seed sits in the ground. You know what it's doing? It's being still. Just being still. But the time that that seed is in the ground is not wasted. That seed is germinating. It's growing. And it's preparing to produce fruit. Can I encourage you one thing real quick before I give you the second thing tonight? Don't run from a place of stillness. God might lead you to a Midian. And you don't know why you're there. And you don't know what you're doing there. But I promise you, God knows where you're at. And God's going to work. So number one, what was Midian? This first stop. It was a place of stillness, but then watch this. It gets better, okay? Here's the million-dollar question. How? How do you be still when you get to Midian? How do you not 
run and how do you not get away from the place where you're not sure what's going on and why God's doing what he's doing? Well, I want to show you the answers right there in verse 21. Watch what it says. The Bible says, and Moses was content to dwell with the man. You know, sometimes God's going to take you to a Midian, a place of stillness, because he wants that place of stillness to become a place where you learn a valuable lesson, and that lesson is contentment. Contentment. How did Moses stay where he was at? Moses left a lot of things behind in, in Egypt. Well, he found a place of stillness to become a place of contentment. I believe tonight that's probably the greatest lesson we can learn at these Midians in our life. It's the lesson of contentment. I want you to think about this. Before Moses went to Midian, think about the life he lived. He lived a life much different, a lot more perks, and probably the life he's living now in Midian is a whole lot different than he imagined what his life was going to be, but that's where he's at now. He's at a Midian. And at that Midian, he realizes, you know what, the life that I had, the life that I imagined that I might live there in Egypt, there with all of the trappings of Egypt, I'm going to have to learn to live this life now. That's what contentment is all about. It's not something you can be given. It's something you've got to choose. Watch what he says, verse 21. And Moses was content to dwell with that man. Can I tell you tonight, what we as God's people have got to learn to do is we've got to learn this thing of contentment where we choose to dwell in the place where God has us. Moses says, I choose to live there. It may not be what I thought I was going to live. It may not be what I imagined for myself. But this is where God's got me right now. And I am content to dwell there. Oh, can I tell you, that's when you find peace in your life. When you find contentment in the still places and the places where God's trying to teach us and trying to show us how to be content. Spurgeon said it this way. You say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake. If you're not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. What is he saying? Contentment. Moses says, all right, this is, Midian's not Egypt. Midian's not what I was used to. This is not what I thought. I mean, you know, Moses had a pretty good setup while he was in Egypt. Moses was a somebody. Moses had a lot of things at his disposal, and now he's going to become shepherd in a foreign land. As a matter of fact, you look at the name of his son, it means foreigner. Moses recognized, I'm living as a foreigner in a life that I didn't expect to live and not what I imagined to live, but I choose to be content to dwell here. <clears throat> I want you to know we have some of our missionaries here tonight, uh, the Popwells, Brother Don Beck. I had a great visit with Brother Don Beck today. We got to have lunch for the first time in a long time today, and yeah, he taught me a lot about fishing today, just, uh, uh, just visiting with him. I hope to go try it out real soon. How do missionaries make it? They learn contentment. You know, you're, you're hard-pressed to find the comforts, the luxuries, and the freedoms that we have in America on a mission field. You're hard-pressed. Uh, I mean, look, uh, you go over there, they may not have running water, and that would probably nix it for a lot of people. It's running, it's just with your feet, right? Go down there and get it, draw it up out of the water. Uh, they may not have indoor plumbing, and that would do it for the rest of us, you know? Especially in a cold climate, man, that'd be rough. And yet, how do they do that? Well, they said, you know what? This is where God's got me. God's got me still here. I'm going to learn contentment. I'm going to dwell here. I'm going to dwell here. The missionaries that have blessed my heart through the years the most 
uh, as a kid, getting to meet a lot of missionaries, as a pastor, getting to meet a lot of missionaries. The ones that have blessed my heart the most are the ones who I could tell that when they were here, their heart wasn't. They were ready to go home. I had a missionary tell me in our church one time, he was from Africa. He says, we, we love America and we're thankful for Americans, but I'm ready to go home. You see, that's where his heart was at. He was content to dwell there. He wasn't like, I'll go, God. I'll go to Midian and I'll be there, but I'm ready to come home. No, being content to dwell there means that's where your heart is at now, that I want to be where the will of God has me. As the people of God tonight, I believe that's something we've got to work on. Psalms 46, let me give you a little bit of background on something wonderful uh, as I studied verse number 10. The Bible says to be still. Be still. Begin looking at the words, as I often do. And that word be still is one word. One word. The word be still is one word. Here's what it means. To let go or drop down. To relax or let drop. Now watch this. To be still. Learning at the place of stillness, contentment. How do you learn contentment at the place of stillness? Here's how it goes. Watch this. Being still means to let go. In order for Moses to be content in Midian, he had to let go of the comforts of Egypt. He had to let it drop. Can I tell you why so many of us are miserable in Midian? It's because we're holding on to something that God says let go of. You know, it'd be hard for that missionary to serve faithfully over in Africa or over in Argentina, wherever they're at, if they're holding on to the creature comforts of America. But oh, all of a sudden they learn that valuable lesson of contentment. It means I'm going to let go. I remember when the Lord called me to resign my church, I told you about a minute ago, uh, one of the biggest things I had to let go of was my pride. My pride. The Lord had blessed our church. Our church was growing. There was a good spirit. All the people who didn't like me had left. That's always great. Man, the folks that were there, they loved us, man. I went hunting with them, fishing with them, man. We just had good times together. And then the Lord says, I want you to leave that. I'm like, all right, Lord, I don't mind going from here, but I want to go somewhere where I, my pride can remain intact. And boy, I realized the only way I was going to be content at the end of that dirt road in Carson, Mississippi, was I was going to have to let go of my pride. And oh, can I tell you, those two years we were down there at the end of that dirt road in Carson, you asked my wife, two of the sweetest years of our life, learning to be still. Learning to be still. Learning what? Number two, learning the place of contentment. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Watch this. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Covetousness is the opposite of contentment. It's the very opposite. Contentment is, being, is being having joy and peace with what you have. Covetousness is always wanting more. The Bible says at the very end of that verse, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Could it be tonight that God leads us to a place of stillness so that that place of stillness could become contentment when we learn to let go of everything we have but him? He said covetousness when you're always chasing something else, wanting something else, and all of a sudden you realize at the place of stillness, you let go of all of that and you realize he'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you come to the place that he's all you have, you find that he's all you need. You see what's happening? Moses is in Midian. 
You're like, well, I don't want to go there. I'm going to wait to go to Egypt. No, you might need to go to Midian before you can go to Egypt because that's where God's going to teach you this valuable lesson of contentment. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Listen to the Apostle Paul. I love it when you can see God taking a truth all throughout Scripture through continuity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be, to be content. Now stop right there. Philippians 4, 11. Paul says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Now I want you to know that's something I'm working on. I'm not there. I'm working on it, okay? Matter of fact, I'm so glad that that word in there is the word learned. That means he wasn't born with that. He had to learn it. So, matter of fact, I'm going to read it for you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Turn with me for real quick, because I need you to see something back in chapter 3 in a, in a moment after that, okay? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right? Philippians comes after Ephesians. So I don't need to be looking in front of it. All right, look at chapter 4. Look down at verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. All right, now that's the goal, right? That's the goal. We've got to get to verse 11. I want to get to the place to whether if I'm in a Midian or whether I'm in Egypt or no matter where I am, I'm going to be content. How did he get to chapter 4, verse 11? Turn back to chapter 3 and look at verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Wait a minute. Paul, watch. Chapter 3, verse 8, he learned to count all things but lost. He learned to let go. All that he had, all that who he was, the stature, the acclaim, all that Paul had come in. He says, I've learned to let go of all of it in chapter 3 so that I could say in chapter 4, I have learned how to be content. I'll tell you something tonight, folks. I, look, this is not going to come natural to you. It's not going to come natural to me. Like being still doesn't come natural to a kid. But all oh, that we would learn to be still so that we could learn to be content. How? By learning to let go. That God, all I need is you. Or if you call me, look, uh, what was it, David Livingston? Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Only go with me. You know what he was saying? I've learned to let go of all that I had. He let go of friends and family. He let go of freedoms and comforts. He let go of all of it. And oh, when he got to the place of stillness, it became a place of contentment for him. Why? He learned to let go. I counted all things but loss. It was a place of contentment for him. Now, finally, I want to conclude with this tonight. Lord willing, get you out on time. Amen? All right, there's an easy one right there. You missed an easy amen. I'm going to get you about it, uh, train and do this here before too terribly long. I do want you to look at chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going to close with this. It was a place of stillness. God had him there. It wasn't a lot to write about. But then notice it was a place of contentment. He chose it. He says, I'm going to be content here in Midian. I'm going to be where you have me to be. But then look at chapter 3, verse 1. And we'll close with this tonight. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Now as difficult of a place as it was, place of stillness, stillness, a place of contentment. There's one more thing I think tonight that God had for him at this first stop at Midian. Notice what he's doing in verse 1. He kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he, watch this, led the flock to the backside of the desert. Now, I want you to think about this tonight. He's leading 
sheep. He's leading sheep. Stinking, temperamental, needy sheep. Noisy, troublesome, needy sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but it's not hard for me to see that maybe there's a lesson he's learning here that he's going to apply in the future. Number three tonight, the first stop, Midian. It was a place of stillness, a place of contentment finally tonight. Look at this. It's a place of experience. A place of experience. Whoever would have thought leading this mundane life of a shepherd, leading sheep around a mountain on the backside of the what? The desert. Could we also call the desert a wilderness? Leading a group of needy, complaining people around the backside of the desert. I just have to believe tonight that there were times as Moses led the children of Israel around the wilderness that he probably looked at those people. You are just as stubborn as those old sheep that I... Oh. Oh. I mean, I mean, those sheep are always wanting something to eat. God gave them manna. They complained about the manna. No matter what God did, they were always complaining. I mean, look, you ever read Psalm 23? Read how needy a sheep is. By the way, you and I are the sheep. <laughs> all right? That's why we need a shepherd. You read about all those things. They need still waters. They need green pastures. They need protection. You think about it. A sheep has no natural really defenses. They don't have claws or teeth or muscles. They're just fur balls waiting to be eaten. That's it. That's it. And they need their shepherd. And there are times, I am sure Moses probably propped up on his rod in the wilderness, watching all of those Israelites wander around. I mean, you know, he's there watching his sheep in Midian, and their little sheep tears off out to the side, and he sends one of the under-shepherds, hey, go get them. Go get them. I'm sure as he leads the children of Israel around the wilderness, he's sitting there propping up on his, uh, uh, propping up on his staff, and all of a sudden he sees one of his people heading off. He said, Joseph, go, I mean, Joshua, go get him. Go get him. You see, tonight, the reason we shouldn't run from Midians is because Midians are places, watch, where we learn to be still. Well, there's not a lot to write about. Well, it doesn't matter. If God leads you to Midian, you just be still in Midian. Be still. Why? Because you're learning to be content. But then you're learning something wonderful. You know what it is? You're learning experience. Just because you get to a Midian, listen, doesn't mean God's done with you. No, no, no. It doesn't mean time lost. It means lessons learned. Oh, I, I look back early in my ministry. Brother Edwards, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've looked back at some of my outlines before. And boy, they were sad. I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy on those people. No wonder some of them turned out the way they did. Because I'm their pastor. I was their pastor. You look back and you're thinking, boy, that, that was rough. Or I handled that the wrong way. Or man, you know what? I learned a lot through going through that. And there are things that I apply to my ministry today. I didn't like Midian. Didn't always enjoy Midian. Midian wasn't always what I wanted it to be, but I learned contentment there, and I learned experience now that God helps me in what he does have me to, to do. Romans chapter 5, let me read this for you real quick. The Bible says in verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. What are tribulations? Well, tribulations are places none of us like to go. I don't like to go to the place for tribulations. i just be honest with you, I don't want to go to tribulations. I don't enjoy that. The Bible says here we glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation, watch this, worketh patience. 
Did we say patience is another word for contentment? Learn to be patient, learn to be content. So we come to a place of tribulation. I don't like this Midian. You know what? I had it better in Egypt. I had a lot of plans in Egypt. I don't like where I'm at in, in Midian, but I'm just going to learn to be still here. Why? So that I can learn contentment or patience. So I've come to this place of tribulation. I don't want to be there, but I'm learning something. I'm learning patience. And the Bible says in patience, what? Experience. Experience. I don't believe you have to learn everything by doing it, but buddy, when you learn something by doing it, you learn it for sure, don't you? There's a lot of things I learned in uh, school and a lot of things my mom and dad tried to teach me. There were a few things I had to break before I really learned how to not do what they were telling me not to do. Experience. Experience. You don't know it tonight, but on the road to readiness, your journey might start at Midian, a place where God just has you still. Why did God lead him to Midian? I don't know. I don't know. We can ask him about it one day. But I do know what he learned there. He learned contentment. He's content to dwell there. God, I'm going to learn to live where you have me, the way you have me, with no prerequisites. God, whatever your will is for my life, whatever you have me doing the rest of my life, God, I'm willing to do that. Why? Because I want to be content. I want to learn to be content. Not just content with what I have, being content just with you and knowing that I can trust you. And what does that contentment do? Well, we see it in verse 1. He was learning experience on how to do the will of God for his life. Can I ask you this tonight in closing? We have looked at Noah, we've looked at Abraham, we've looked at Joseph. They all had different places. Joseph started in a pit, a place we may not want to start, but boy, he learned something. Remember, he learned to look up in that pit. Maybe tonight your journey has started a lot like Moses. You're like, God, I don't know why you're where you have me. I don't know what you're doing here. Because, God, there's very little to write about. I mean, 40 years and you got 12 verses. 12 verses. God, it's just not, not what I thought it would be, but... God, I'm going to learn to be content here in Midian until you move me on from Midian to use what I learned at Midian. Well, tonight, have you learned to be still? Our kids have trouble with it, and they get it from us. They get it honest, amen. Have you learned to be spiritually still? God, I'm going to be where you have me to be no matter what. My heroes are in this room tonight, the short time that I've had to get to know a lot of you. They're not the most intellectual people, even though some of you are very smart. You're not the most... Uh, charismatic in personality. The people that are my heroes in this room tonight are people who've learned the invaluable lesson of being still. Just being still. Nothing phases you. You don't get caught up in the latest gossip. Your spirit isn't wounded by the latest hearsay. When a controversy comes into the church, division comes into the church, you're unfazed by that. Those of you who learn how to be still, you're my hero. And I think God could use so much of us so much more if we learn how to be still. Have you learned how to be still? Number two, have you learned how to be content? Be content. I'm going to be happy where you've got me until you get me somewhere else. And then I want to be experienced. These kids need to know that they can trust God in Midian. And one of the best ways we could teach them is for us to trust God when we're at Midian. Amen. Tonight. This place where he was at on the road to readiness didn't make a lot of sense. I read and read and read. God, why'd you take him to Midian? Why'd you leave him at Midian 40 years? I mean, why'd you take him there in the first place? Don't know. God had a plan in it. And God was working. Tonight, I want to encourage you. God wants to work in your Midian as well. If you'll just learn to let go.
Don't let go and give it to God. Heads are bowed tonight, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed.